It is 12.04 on your Saturday afternoon. We are here. It's uh, John Scholes and Dr. Lou, Dr. Payne, brand new show. If you caught it last week, yeah, we were here and we're back. This is what's going to happen uh, pretty much every Saturday at this time, 12 o'clock. We are here to answer all your questions, get into the uh, subject of pain management and everything under that umbrella. Uh, Luigi Nelly, I'll give you your, your full name out there for all sure. your fans yeah. and uh, your your uh, former patients or current patients that would uh, say, hey, the guy's on the radio and I had no idea. So you will be here each week. Uh, as always, we like to uh, get your calls as we go through the hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You know that number, and you can get a hold of Dr. Lou anytime. It is, uh, well, you give the number out one time. The, the Your number. one yeah, 855 doctor Lou. You got it. That number is the number we're going to use. So uh, tell us basically, uh, since we're new, well, you and I aren't. We've been talking for some time. We actually found out that we, we kind of live in the same hood. Yeah, we do. Which could be really bad for you because yeah. I'll have to drop in and just say hi when you know I'm unexpected. But uh, tell us uh, what you want to do with the purpose of the show because we're new. Because yeah. we're new. Yeah, sure. I, I think the biggest thing for me is really trying to help uh, with pain management and pain prevention. And I think it's a poorly understood area of healthcare. And I think the biggest thing that we can do uh, as healthcare providers is provide education and empowerment to our patients. And I figured this would be a great platform to reach out to to listeners to that have been suffering through pain or are curious about something or have someone that they know that's in pain and have the ability to, to call in, uh, talk to us, see if there's any way that we can help. And that's pretty much it. Really trying to trying to demystify pain is, is the key here. Yeah, for sure. For, again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You'll want to give us a call to the Dr. Payne Show. We are ready to go. Give me a little uh, background. Now, you've got a lot. Well, first of all, you've got more hair than I do, but you've got <laughs> no gray hair, so you're younger than I am, so I know that for sure. Yeah. But give me some of your uh, some of your background, how you got to doing what you're doing. Yeah, I guess it, it started with a passion for uh, fitness and healthcare uh, back in high school, and then from there, I decided to go uh, further my education at the University of Toronto, mm-hmm. where I studied physical and health education. And at that point, I was really aware of the importance of health promotion and I figured a, a, a good way to continue that health promotion was to go on and become a doctor. So at that point, I decided uh, I was always very much um, interested in the musculoskeletal system. And so I decided to go on to chiropractic college. I was accepted. I finished four years there. And since then, I graduated as a chiropractor. I own a clinic uh, near where we live, uh, up at Highway 27 in the Finch area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I quickly learned after graduating as a chiropractor that the answer to really helping pain wasn't just one person helping with that pain. You needed a multidisciplinary team to really help out with that. So I really tried to grow my practice and my clinic into a multidisciplinary team of every healthcare professional dedicated to pain management. And Talk and, to me a little more about that clinic. Like what, like what kind of professionals do you have involved in there? Yeah, we have everything from chiropractors to massage therapists to physiotherapists. We work closely with surgeons that are across the street. We're near a major hospital, which is a General. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a network with the surgeons there. We've even worked with uh, psychologists, social workers. Wow. When, yeah, it's similar to that we talked about last week when someone's pain is being contributed by a psychosocial aspect. Well, the best professional to intervene is a psychosocial professional. And if it's psychological, a psychiatrist or a, a it might be the best person to intervene in that time. And if it's something more social, then maybe a social worker. So we really try to have that multimodal approach. It seems like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, when I was going to chiropractic or quote unquote physio, it would be, you know, one or two guys. They had a clinic. It was, you know, sometimes in the bottom of a mall or at the end of a, you know, a clinic setting. And that was it. This whole this whole approach with psychologists and doctors and pain management, it wasn't really a thing. That's reasonably new, no? 
It's reasonably new. I don't think it's new just in the rehabilitation world. I think it's new throughout most of healthcare. We're really starting to understand uh, that most pathologies or ailments that someone is going through are multimodal, therefore need to be approached in that same manner. So similar to there were family doctors that just used to be, you know, just that family doctor in their office seeing their patient. And now we have these big healthcare teams that we're seeing opening up across the world, whether it's something like the Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinics, where it's a big team of professionals really trying to work towards um, that patient's health. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You got pain, you're, uh, you're wondering about pain and management, how to manage it, something you've been through recently, maybe a traumatic physical event. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Dr. Lou is here to answer your questions and possibly give you some advice. Uh, lots more to go here. Taking your phone calls. The phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. We'll get into lots more aches and pains. Oh, back to school, back to work. Boo! Summer's over, and that can lead to a whole bunch of problems uh, on its own. Again, we're taking your phone calls after a short break. Dr. Lou, Dr. Payne Show is here. Talk radio, AM 640. 12 minutes after 12 here on Saturday. Uh, Luigi Nally is his name. Dr. Lou, how we will refer to him from here on in on the Dr. Payne Show. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have pain questions, physio problems, all that stuff you want to hear uh, from you. Dr. Lou here to answer your questions. I know personally when I get up in the morning now, my lower back feels like a piece of chewed bubble gum, but I'm probably not alone in that respect, right? No, no, and not we, at uh, all. You know, we mentioned going into the break that uh, things can't, you, you wouldn't often say, and we were talking about this uh, before the show um, off air, that you think the summertime and back to the the grind of work or school, physically, you wouldn't think there'd be much of a change, but you found in your practice over the years that there is a big change when people go back to work or back to school, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot changes once September rolls around and the kids are going back to school. And so maybe you're all as a family waking up earlier to get everybody uh, put together, ready to go to school and to work. Uh, Traffic times are longer during the school Mm -hmm. year because people have to commute. And so you're spending more time in your car, more time sitting. Uh, The grind also kind of starts at this time and will you know, ease off towards December once the, the Christmas holidays come around. But that means a lot for a lot of people, a lot more time being spent at their desk. And those are all things that are, can contribute to how people feel in their aches and pains. What do you suggest to people uh, as far as handling that's concerned? The people often talk to me about what is proper posture. And really, I think that that's a little bit of a myth going back to what we talked about last week about this this whole notion of what proper posture is. Really? Yeah, I think I think for sure there's more ergonomically correct postures, but I think the biggest thing going back to what we are as a species is we need to move. So what I always recommend is that every 20 minutes, you should be trying to change what you're doing. So if you've sat at a desk for 20 minutes, instead of worrying about sitting up straight or doing this or doing that for another 20 minutes, get up and move around for a minute or two minutes. That's the biggest thing. Include breath where you actually have to change what you're doing. And that goes in the the reverse as well, because if you're walking around, well, then maybe every 20 minutes you should sit down and take a rest as well. It's important for our bodies to change what we're doing, and we're dynamic creatures, and therefore we have to be dynamic in the way we're approaching our healthcare. I was often told that, especially if you have a standing job, now this is old school, but it's sometimes good to put your foot up on a a step or a shoebox or whatever you can, just to give that unevenness in your hips once in a while, right? Yeah, and that's absolutely, and that goes back to taking in a break, right? Yeah. So it's just a way for your body, you're standing on 
two feet and you stand up. I know that with people with low back pain and they'll say, you know, my back really hurts when I'm washing the dishes. We will often often recommend that where we say just open up the cupboards and step up with one foot there and it kind of will ease one side. And same thing, though, you wouldn't stay in that position for 20 minutes because that's going to create some pain. So you may need to switch that as well. So the big thing here is every 20 minutes, let's try to change what we're doing. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. It's funny you mentioned end of the summer holidays and then the break at Christmas. Those are things which uh, you alluded to will change possibly your, your, your physical routine during the day. And this is something that goes back to the first segment. Those times are good times. You're happy, you're off in summertime, you got holidays, Christmas comes about. Now, does that often bring in the psychological component as well? Absolutely. There's a, there's actually something called the acronym is SAD and it stands for season affect disorder. So mm-hmm. as our days get shorter, temperatures cool down, they have found psychologically people tend to have poorer moods during this time of the year. And I think it runs from October till about February until the days start getting a little bit longer. But absolutely, the the cold weather, the shorter days, the, I think it goes beyond just those environmental things. And it goes to the social aspect of like we were just talking about, people are back at work. Summertime seems to be happier. You tend to spend the weekends out a lot more. So there is something psychologically to be said about you know, the time of year that we're in and, and the grind and, and the weather and all those things. Can that go as far as affecting a uh, an injury you've already had, making it worse, compounding the problem? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit last week about how your psychological disposition affects what you feel in terms of pain. And going back to pain being Pain is, an, uh, is not an objective measure. It's a subjective matter. And what that means is that, that you eh? you and I may experience the same stimulus, but we'll feel it different. So you may not necessarily feel as much pain as I would feel to the same stimulus. So it's a subjective experience that each individual goes through. And again, our mind plays a role in this. Everything is processed up in our brain. So if you're going through something like a season affect disorder, that is going to contribute to your pain levels. It, it's all processed in the same system called the limbic system in the brain where emotions are processed is also where your pain perception is processed. So if you're if one part of that brain is being activated, it has a spillover to those other things. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. David and Barry, opening call. How are you, pal? Good morning or good afternoon in this case. What's up? Well, I'm okay. I guess I'm calling, so... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. I've been resistance training ever since I was 17. I'm 59 now. Okay. Um, trying to get back into things. Um, oh, David just dropped off. We'll see if he calls back. We'll give him a minute. Dave, you, your line dropped off there. You want to give us a call back? We'd love to take you. Um, so let me ask you something. I don't. I don't know if you guys have dealt with this, but I've I've been in different workplaces. Not this one. This one seems to be lit up well enough already. But <laughs> sometimes you go to places, and it has to do with that seasonal disorder you mentioned. They have these big white lights hanging in the corner and it's supposed to be a ray of sunshine in the office. Is that even, does that work? I, I don't know that I can answer specifically saying yes or no, that that doesn't work. I don't know enough about the research on those lights to say, yes, that's working or no, it's not working. Right. I guess theoretically it makes good sense. People do prefer light over darkness. Um, and I, again, I think it really comes down to the person for some people it may have an effect and for other people it may not have an effect. 
Does placebo have an effect on pain? Absolutely. Placebo has an effect on everything in healthcare and everything in our lives, whether we choose to believe it doesn't or it does, and whether we're happy that it does or it does not. But yeah, absolutely, placebo plays a huge role. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, but taking your phone calls. <laughs> if, they, if they last, they'll be back, I'm sure. <laughs> Happens once in a while. Um, so you mentioned the placebo thing. So is it would a doctor discount placebo in treating someone for pain or for an injury, or do they actually, for instance, would you factor that into it as well? Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact, there's a famous physician, and I believe it was Sir William Osler, and I'm not 100% sure, but there's a famous saying that uh, we always learn going through school, and that it's that any physician or doctor that doesn't use placebo is a fool. And the reality is, is placebo does actually pay a, play a role. If, if you're a practitioner and you're my patient coming in, mm-hmm. and I'm saying to you, John, you're likely never going to get better, that's a placebo effect versus me saying, right. John, this is something you can get through. It's just a matter of which way we choose to use that placebo, whether to be beneficial or to not be beneficial. But I think it's important to realize that there's a lot of things out there that aren't necessarily uh, based in good evidence or good research that many people do that they swear helps. And whether that's the actual intervention that they're doing or the placebo, I think the end result is most important and it's that they feel better. doesn't matter if it's snake oil, if it's helping them out, it's, it's helping them out. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't I don't think it's a, a healthcare professional's job such as myself to be recommending snake oil. But you know right. what? I have had patients that have come in and said some weird things. I remember when I first started to practice, actually, it's a funny story. I was treating this person's knee and I was treating him two or three times a week for about four weeks. And he came back after about a month and totally discredited how much I had helped him and basically said that what was helping him was every night he was tying a bar of soap to the back of his knee. So, you know, nothing that I did really helped. It was Irish Spring. Yeah, it was Irish Spring. Sorry, Dr. Luke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it wasn't really me that was helping him. But you know what? At the end of the day, what was most important for me as a healthcare provider was he was getting better. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots more of your calls. Lots to get through here, Dr. Payne Show is here. Dr. Lou is answering all your calls after a short break. Talk radio, AM 640. 1223, taking your calls and uh, all that stuff right up until 1 o'clock. <laughs> Dave, you're back. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Yeah, I guess I got to pay my bill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you've been uh, basically lifting weights, resistance training your whole life. Continue. Yes. Uh, left shoulder, they gave me cortisone for the bursitis. I guess that got inflamed. And then I had the tendon issues, um, shoulder tendon to the bicep and to the chest but the uh i think it's the it's on the outside of the shoulder so i think it's the one going to the bicep inflamed and we can't seem to get that under control can i get a second cortisone or is there special exercises i should do yeah uh that's a good question dave and thanks for calling I would say that specifically, it's going to be hard for me to answer specifically what could help you exactly, just because I would actually have to properly assess and make sure that what you're telling me uh, is accurate to, to what I can see. But I can tell you right off the bat, with something like a cortisone injection, those are things that you want to be cautious with repeatedly doing those cortisone injections. Wow. Cortisone does tend to decrease your bone mineral density. So someone like wow. Dave, and Dave's, Dave's a male, so it's, it's a little bit better, but a female... Already their bone mineral density uh, decreases more substantially and osteoporosis is is much more prevalent with females. But anybody, as we get older, after about 30 years old, our bone mineral density seems to go down. Now, the good news is if you do do a lot of resistance training, what you do is you just start at a higher point. And it sounds like Dave has been doing a lot of resistance. So he probably has very good bone mineral density. And it's probably not a huge concern. But over time, especially with something like the shoulder, as you get older, you don't necessarily want to decrease that density uh, in 
in the bone uh, because it predisposes you to fractures and that could lead to some very serious problems in terms of um your specific problem there, Dave. I think the the key here is you really need to have someone who can look at this and kind of go through it properly with what you have going on. And something I think that's important to mention to our viewer, our listeners as well, is that although I have a clinic, a specific clinic at Highway 27 in Finch, Doctor Lou's Pain Care does have a network of providers that we trust across the GTA. Right. Uh, and you know, and I'm not suggesting that those are the only good providers out there to provide this stuff. But if our listeners uh, want a second opinion and they want to second opinion from a Dr. Lou's uh, trusted provider, that's definitely something we can help arrange. So I think, Dave, I think the biggest thing with you is you need to get it checked. Uh, You need to speak to a knowledgeable professional who can actually assess it properly and look at because it sounds like it's it's a longstanding issue and it's chronic and it's not going to do it justice for me to just there's no simple answer is the reality. Yeah, well, like we've done the ultrasound. Yeah. And and what showed up there and uh, say I'm 59 now. Yeah. So I know Doc keeps telling me you're not 29. You can't push it the same way. Right. So so I have gone lighter weight, but it just seems like as soon as I rest it and it's okay, the second I put any kind of resistance on it, it comes right back. Right. The, the the thing here, too, is a lot of times with these types of injuries, it's also about function, the proper way that your shoulder is working. So sometimes oh. you can't necessarily fix the tendon or the bursa, but what you can do is change the function of the shoulder girdle so that mm. you're doing things in a way that it's not putting extra pressure on that tendon and that bursa. And I think if this is a longstanding issue, that may be a better approach for you to go with is, ah. is looking at the function of your shoulder and how can you improve uh, that shoulder in terms of function and not just necessarily focusing on the the inflammation or the bursitis so more focus on the kinesiology piece of it correct right the way that your scapula is going to sit on your rib cage really determines what happens right. at the glenohumeral joint yeah wow All look right. at the language is incredible here <laughs> dr <laughs> lee you sound like you know what you're talking about yeah i guess so i didn't like, waste a decade yeah. Yeah. so it's like changing the angle of my bench if you will changing the angle of my shoulder press whatever just modifying it that way to take the stress off that's the right yeah and and, and you know if that's something that you're knowledgeable enough to figure that out on your own that's great but if you need a little bit of help there's plenty of uh, professionals out there that can help you figure out that kinesiology aspect of your body and Perfect. what what things are going to be better and that's going to alleviate the pressure because once you can use those proper angles what's going to happen is just secondary that inflammation will go away on its own and you'll be surprised and you'll think why didn't i change that you know years, 20 ago. years ago yeah well, right that's it. Thanks a lot, Doc. You've been really encouraging for me. Yep. Dave, appreciate the call. How does how would a shoulder, I mean, I guess, again, it depends uh, person to person, but someone who's 29 versus a guy like Dave who is 59, how much, and, uh, because that's a weird joint. The shoulder goes all different ways, right? The the, the shoulder's the, the probably, in my opinion, the most difficult joint to, to actually work on in the human body. The thing that's so uh, unique about the shoulder is that if you took away the muscles, your arm would just fall off. That's everything nice. else, everything else has an inherent stability. Right. Like if you look at the elbow, the bones kind of fit in in a nice puzzle piece, so that provides an inherent okay. stability. However, the joint is the shoulder is just a joint hanging off your torso. And if you took away the rotator cuff muscles, which are the muscles responsible for holding that shoulder in place, it would just fall off. And that's why those injuries are so prevalent. And also that, like you alluded to, John, is it moves in so many different directions. Your 
elbow flexes and it extends, whereas your shoulder can go any which way. 416-870-6400, star 640 is the number. Anytime you want to get a hold of Dr. Louie is here right till 1 o'clock. He can answer those questions. Bring on your calls. The lines are, pardon me, wide open. We'd love to, uh, to hear from you. And if you need to call him when the show is over, that's simple as well. one 855 doctor Lou. It's Dr. Payne Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. Halfway through this uh, this hour already, 12.30 here in your Saturday afternoon here, AM 640. Uh, Dr. Payne, Dr. Lou is here to take all your calls, dealing with your pain management and taking your calls. You have mysteries. Sometimes you just have pains and you have injuries that have lasted years and years. And uh, to no avail, you've tried to get help. Nothing else has worked. Suggested going to your clinic and letting uh, someone or at least maybe all the people on your team have a, have a shot at it, right? Yeah, I think I think it's worth a shot for, for most people out there. I think they'd be happy. We have, like I mentioned, we have our flagship clinic, but we also have have a network of trusted providers that we've personally vetted, that I've personally vetted mm-hmm. to know that they're going to provide the standard of care that I think is so important in pain management. And that that provider network is across the GTA because we know not everybody can make it to the, the flagship location. Let's talk about that pain management for a sec. Sometimes it's just, well, I mean, let's face it with the, you know, how busy people are. Sometimes it's easy just to grab a bottle of a couple of something, pop them back and, and deal with your pain for four hours, maybe eight if you're good, yep. depending on the commercial on TV. But uh, <laughs> Where in the pecking order, as far as how you treat people, would does it come to that point? As far I'm talking pills now. Yeah, I, and and I think medication plays a role in pain management. Mm-hmm. Going back to everything plays a role. Uh, I know, for example, I'll give you my personal experience. I, I love to golf, and when I go out to golf, I tend to have a bad back too. And when I know I need that four or five hours of quick relief, I usually will take a Tylenol or an Advil. So it does play a role. I think the bigger danger becomes once you start beco- chronically abusing these medications, right? Because of of the negative effects that they could have. So it, that's that's where I think it becomes the bigger concern. Also, sometimes you're just in way too too much pain for someone to actually physically intervene. I know when we see a lot of people at our office and they walk in and or, or they don't walk in, they're being brought in by somebody and they just threw out a disc, for example, we're sending them back home and telling them to take medication and come see us in three to five days because there needs to be a certain amount of time. There's a threshold. There's isn't there? a threshold. Yeah. That's right. You can't you, in order to intervene physically, that person needs to be at a certain physical health. And, you know, if they're that bad, then really the answer at that point is medication. And you know what? Unfortunately, sometimes medication also becomes the answer and it's something that you'll need to use day to day in order to help you manage it uh, for the rest of your life. I think the key is trying to minimize that aspect and never getting uh, addicted to any treatment. And I don't just mean just with medication. I don't think anybody should be addicted to even going to see uh, a physiotherapist every week. I think there should be uh, an onus put back on the individual. How do we, how do you yourself uh, help yourself? But you know what? Sometimes it plays a role. And you know, the other thing here too, is we don't know what people have been through. Some people have been through such traumatic car accidents or work accidents that there's no choice but to have that that medicine used every single day or treatment used multiple times a week. Uh, and I think that comes back to the conversation that, you know, our listeners need to have with their healthcare providers is how do you minimize how much uh, external things you're using and how do you maximize how much of the internal capacity that you have to minimize your pain? 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Love to get your calls in here. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, stretching versus warming up. I mean, the old school device was, you know, get up in the morning and go touch your toes three times before you get downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I personally never thought that was a good idea. You're, you know, you've been lying dormant still all night, yeah. and then all of a sudden you want to go over and touch your toes. Give me your opinion on uh, stretching versus yeah. warming up. I, I will not only give you my opinion, I'll give you some of the best research that we yep. have available to us. Um, 
oftentimes we speak of stretching in terms of injury prevention. So let's let's focus on right. stretching for injury prevention. What the research has actually found is, let's take, for example, someone who says, I have tight hamstrings, quote unquote tight. Yeah, who doesn't? Oftentimes, <laughs> tight is, is actually the wrong word to be using. What they actually have is short hamstrings. And so they've done research where they've taken muscles out of cadavers and hung them with a weight for days. And they've watched this muscle stretch over time, and then they'll take the weight back off. And the half-life is something like 20 minutes for it to get back to almost its original wow. length. And so the point of the research was, is you stretching for 10 seconds actually going to lengthen your muscle? Probably not. I th and what they found was more important from an injury prevention standpoint was warming up because you have enzymes in your body and in your muscles that function at a certain temperature. So that's the whole thing of you don't want to be cold when you go out to do something. You want to be warmed up because it allows those enzymes to work at their proper level because of the, the temperature that you're using. And that's what actually prevents injury is warming up. Dynamic stretching is much more beneficial than static stretching. So a good example of something like dynamic stretching is like something like yoga, where you're not necessarily staying in one position forever, you're actually changing stretching positions. So warming up in terms of injury prevention is much, much more important than stretching. Am I saying that stretching never plays a role? I, not necessarily. It's just not that good for injury prevention, but it may play a role if your provider thinks that that short hamstring that you have needs to be lengthened a little. The thing is, you almost have to be religious with how much stretching yeah. you're doing based on the research. So underneath that, uh, underneath the umbrella of warming up, how important uh, along with the enzymes does oxygen play a role? Oxygen, I mean, every oxygen is the most important thing for us as humans, Especially obviously, as muscles, right? right? We could survive a couple of days without water. We could not survive very long without oxygen. So it's actually probably the most important thing. And our muscles do need to, when you see a picture of the human body, we often see muscles as red. They're red because there's oxygen in those muscles. And so they play, <laughs> it plays a very important role in, um, anything that you do. And in fact, when we tell people, for example, to do exercises in our clinic, we often will say, don't hold the contraction for longer than eight seconds. Because at that point, that's when you start to starve the muscle wow. of oxygen. And that's actually dangerous. That that could lead to injury. So oxygen is very important. It's very important for everything that we do in our in our lives. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Andrew and Pickering, good afternoon. How are you, pal? Good afternoon. How are you, Pod? Great day for talk radio. You bet. You got a question for Dr. Lou? Go ahead. Yes. I want to ask the doctor about um, generic pills because I have a heart condition and I was on generic pills for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And the pain was just unbearable. Right? And a lot of times you would hear um, doctors would say um, that they, they, I mean, the, the, the pharmacist will prescribe the generic pills because, you know, you know all, all these things to do with insurance and everything, right? But why do they still prescribe when a lot of people, I, I, I hear a lot of about complaints about the generic pills, why do they still make them? Why do they still prescribe them? Yeah, that's a loaded, a loaded question. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing here is when you're looking at, I, I, now correct me if I'm wrong, you're taking these pills for your heart problem, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah I so, was, but now, 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 now I, am, I'm, I am on the real pills, which my pain subsequently just went like, it was like night and day. Yeah, so, so you know, and that may very well be a case. This is also a case going back to where maybe placebo played a role, right? Your belief that something that's not generic may have a more beneficial effect. When you look at a lot of these pills, I have uh, some close colleagues that are pharmacists, and when you look at these pills, whether they're name brand or not name brand, what it really comes down to is the chemical composition. Sure. And, and really that doesn't change when you go from something that's, you know, 
a, a more popular brand to something that's not brand a popular. X. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's still it's still a chemical composition, and you know perhaps, and I don't know for sure, right? Because going back, and also I'll precurse this by saying I'm not a cardiologist, and this is not my area of expertise. But I will say that maybe there was some type of placebo effect for you, where you thought having uh, a more name brand pill may be more beneficial than you, and maybe there wasn't, and maybe just for whatever reason that name brand pill reacted better with you, and you're doing better. I think again going back Absolutely. to what's more most important is that you How feel you better and and don't be afraid to have these conversations with your doctors right if you're taking something and you're not feeling great with it that's what they're there for you have to go back and say hey doc this isn't really working for me uh you know is there something else and and try to change it up in that regard awesome thank you man no problem Great. take care it's funny because you know we we've all known that for instance you go take you know uh you know a cough and cold like a neil citron you get the generic brand or the store store brand beside the the real article you look at the back they've got the same ingredients the same ingredient yeah it's it It should be the same it should be i mean i I would probably think that in some cases there's some minor things that are adjusted in order to to make a trademark or whatever uh but at the end of the day i know the pharmacists that i know say it's all the same stuff is there ever a time where placebo can be dangerous yeah, of course. I think like anything that we have is, is if it's used in the right way, it usually is beneficial. And if it's used in the wrong way, it could be very dangerous. Because someone might say, oh, I feel better. Must be the cure all to end all. So I'm going to stop treatment. Right? Yeah. And that, that's a very dangerous thing. Yeah. I don't think that people, oftentimes people gain a little bit of knowledge and, that, and a little knowledge can sometimes be a dangerous thing as right. well. Right. So this is where I'm a big advocate of always keeping your healthcare team involved in what's going on and you shouldn't be making those choices on your own i know with us uh one of the things that uh when we're building plan of management for a patient Mm -hmm. we like to have the patient involved and we want to know what it is that they're comfortable with what they're not comfortable with but again it's a dialogue that's i the professional should not be making the choice alone but neither should the patient it needs to be a dialogue between both take a a quick break your calls we'd love to hear from you got questions for dr lou not a problem 416-870-6400 star six four on cell. Dr. Payne show continues. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. Yeah, Dr. Lee, your home clinic, of course, is up at uh, Finch and Highway 27. What's your exact address up there? 100 Humber College That's Boulevard. That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. I knew. I'm we have a couple asking. suites in there, right. Suite 101, 201. Uh, but yeah, we're at 100 Humber College. Yeah, you need to get a hold one eight five 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 Doctor Lou or call us here at the radio station. We'd love to hear you uh, from you for the next 15 minutes or so. Um, let's. This one is. This one must come up at your clinic every day, all day. Ice versus heat. Yeah, it's definitely break a, it a, down, a, man. Yeah, and and there's no perfect answer to it. Usually, what I try to make people understand is if it's an extremity. So let's say it's your arm, like an elbow or a wrist or an ankle, and you've just recently injured it, and you you can visibly see some type of swelling and bruising. That's where ice is going to play a really beneficial okay. role versus if you're dealing with bigger parts of the body, like the low back, and it's more of a chronic issue, heat is going to be more soothing in, in that regard. Also, the big thing with ice is it's, its biggest use is to decrease inflammation. So you have to be certain that there's inflammation. And that's why in the in the extremities, it's, it's easier for a person to visibly observe swelling in their wrist than it would be in their low back. And so oftentimes for you sure. don't necessarily want to be using ice if you don't know there's no inflammation. So therefore, uh, you, you would go with heat. So I would say as a general rule for chronic aches and pains in the bigger parts of the body, I would I would prefer to use heat. And if you're dealing with a more acute injury and it's in the, the extremities, I would go towards ice. But now we can look at some ancient healthcare systems like Chinese medicine. Chinese right. medicine never, ever uses ice. They never, ever. I, there's a, 
Uh, my really? one of my mentors actually uh, also practices uh, Chinese medicine, and it's just not something that they use. Never use never use ice. What, what do they do for swelling? I don't know. You also have to think back that their system is thousands of years old, and they didn't have fridges and freezers. So you kind of adapt exactly. to, what, That's it, to right? what you have too, right? So, yeah. but for whatever reason, they've continued to adopt that type of model. But again, we're we're going to base this more on uh, on the more conventional type of healthcare that we provide, and and those would be my general guidelines for the heat and the ice. So, what what ex- exactly is happening to a part of the body or an injury when you put that heat on it? Because people just put heat, that oh, feels better. They turn it off. They don't think about what it's doing. Yeah. It, it's really just a soothing effect. So um, a lot of the times with a chronic low back pain, your muscles tend to tighten up and that's why you have that chronic low back pain. Uh, going back to the analogy that I used last week of putting uh, a, you know, a piece of meat in the freezer is going to make it tighten up versus if you bring it out and you let it thaw, it usually becomes relaxed and it's more pliable. So that's kind of the goal with heat is that you want to try to make these muscles a little bit looser and more pliable so that that way the theory is there, it's not going to be as tense and not cause you as much pain. And sometimes that thinking is flawed. It really depends, right? And and even some we may have listeners out there saying, well, I have chronic back pain, but I use ice and that's much better than heat. And that may very well be true. There's no good answer to this to always say that every time in this scenario, you use heat or you use ice. A lot of the times too, it comes down to the individual. And oftentimes when I suggest something to a patient and they come back and say, you know, Dr. Lou, you told me heat, but I put ice on and it felt better. Well, guess what? My advice just changed. Then use ice because if that's what makes you feel better, then, you know, we don't know everything on how it reacts with the individual. And that's the big thing about healthcare and about anything. We, We need to look at this as an individual, not as just you know, what is our prescription for this type of ailment? Because this ailment exists in an individual and what benefits that individual more? 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You've got pain questions, you're in pain, you've got an old injury, no satisfaction. Give us a call, Dr. Lewis here to answer your questions. So yeah, you know, it's, it, it does really come down to the individual. I mean, I'm going to be different than you, it's going to be different than, you know, Heather, our producer. We're yep. all got different bodies, we're all human, but we're so different. That's Even right. the same injury could affect us three different ways. So talk a little bit about the assessment when someone first comes in your door for the Mm -hmm. first time. How does that work? Yeah, the assessment, the biggest part of the initial assessment is the history taking. Um, There's also another saying in healthcare that if you listen to a patient, they're telling you their diagnosis because that's essentially essentially what we are. We're kind of detectives of the human body. So we're listening to something and we're trying to build out the story. So, you know, we'll know the specific questions to ask. So we take a comprehensive health history where we look at everything from the, the, the complaint that you're here for all the way to your past medical history, to your family medical history, because a lot of things are genetic and run uh, within the family to, you know, the social things going on in your life, the psychological disposition that you may have. And so you have to take into consideration this person's story. That's what the history is. It's not just merely, I have low back pain with leg pain. There's so much more to that. You have to get this person's story. Once you have that history taken, then it becomes the physical exam component where there's some physical tests that you can do there in the office. So if you're dealing, you know, whatever, if you're dealing with a knee, you'd be doing specific orthopedic tests checking some reflexes, checking the neurology, checking the muscles. And then there's also sometimes special tests and imaging. So if you feel that this person may need an x-ray to understand a little bit more. So it's a process. So we usually start, and it it always goes kind of that way, where it's a history, some type of a physical exam, followed by special testing if needed. And once we have that together, then we can come to a diagnosis for the person, which is essentially telling them what's wrong, and then provide a prognosis, which is telling them how likely 
they are to get better. And then you suggest a plan of management, and that plan of management is going to include the things that would help their their diagnosis and their prognosis. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number to call. Crystal in Barry. Good afternoon, Crystal. Hi, how are you? Good. You got a question for Dr. Lou? Go ahead. I do, and bear with me. I am uh, driving, so I'm cutting in and out. So Hands free, you. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of Good. course. Um, so I'm a nurse at RVH in Barrie. Yep. Um, for the past, I guess, year or so, I've been having extreme lower back pain to the point where um, if I bend over to tie up my kids' shoes, I'm wanting to cry. If I'm sweeping the kitchen floor for under a minute, I want to cry. So I went in to see my family doctor um, about six months ago, mm-hmm. and he ordered... Um, I want to say a CAT scan or an MRI, I can't remember which. Um, basically, he called me in the office, said I had spinal stenosis. Yep. And then my uh, L3 or L4, the lower discs, um, they were herniated. Like, I guess he was saying where the cartilage should be, it's kind of bone on bone. Okay. Um, so, but then I went to follow up because he sent a referral, and um, he has since retired, and I haven't been able to follow up. Right. So with that being said, I've had to leave work last week twice because my lower back, it, it feels like there's a sledgehammer banging on my lower back. Okay. Um, and now when I'm sleeping, I wake up with severe hip pain. So I'm just wondering, like, because I can't see him again to follow up, um, is there anything I can do, like, with this spinal stenosis? And then another thing, I mean, it's not like I had an injury, so I'm not sure how the stenosis right. would have about. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, stenosis is a, a degenerative process that just happens over time. And what it essentially is, is you have something called the IVF, which is where the nerve exits the spine to go into the extremities. Once right. that hole that exits starts to get smaller, there's a narrowing. In in the optimal scenario, it's separated into thirds. So a third of the space is taken up by the nerve root and the other two thirds is just empty space. And as you develop stenosis, and I'm assuming based on what you're describing, there's a difference between central and peripheral stenosis, but based on what you're describing, it sounds a little bit more like peripheral stenosis. Uh, What ends up happening is that whole less of it is taken up by uh, less of that free space is available. And therefore the nerve has really nowhere to go. And once the nerve gets impinged on, it causes pain in, in the legs. And a lot of times with stenosis, with neurological uh, stenosis, like like Crystal's describing here, you'll have uh, people complaining of when they're walking, their n- legs start to go numb or they feel numbness and tingling on both legs. But then yeah. when they sit down, they'll start to immediately feel better. So a quick um, quick advice on, on the spinal stenosis, because it, it's a very, very complicated issue. But standing up straight will cause uh, that hole to be a little bit smaller. Whereas if anything, where you're bringing the knee to the chest, it allows that to open. So one exercise is just bring laying down on the ground, bringing your knee to your chest. And another good thing, uh, there's actually a spinal stenosis program down at the University Health Network. And what they found is uh, riding the bike is awesome for this no as kidding. well. Because wow. you're kind of in, in your, your hip. position. Yeah, it's sure. a seated position. Your hips are a little bit flexed. So you're still getting that cardiovascular benefit that you would from walking, nice. except you don't have to walk and be in pain. So bike riding and bringing your knees to your chest, Crystal. Okay. And I also found like when I'm at work, cause I can't just sit down with, you know, like the emerge tends to be busy all the time. So what I noticed is, um, sometimes for relief, I'll just stay standing and then I like bend over to touch my toes. And for some reason it feels like it's pulling my back, my lower back. So I kind of get a bit of relief going that way. Um, and then just one last quick question. 
what, like, when I do see a specialist, um, or is this even something that I can um, come and see you for? Yeah, absolutely. And that was my next thing. I don't think that this is necessarily, a specialist isn't going to do much because a spine surgeon, unless this is debilitating and function is impaired, won't operate on this. This is a rehab question. So you can give us a call at our one eight five 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 doctor Lou number, and we have providers up in Barrie, because I see that's where you're calling from, that we can connect you with. Excellent. Again, that number one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, lots more of the show coming up. We'll get to your calls. Beth, hang on. We'll get to you as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. This is the Dr. Payne Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. 1256, last few minutes of this hour. It flies by quickly, my friend, but we are back here every week, noon on Saturdays here on AM 640 with Dr. Lou. Uh, outside of show hours, if you need to get a hold of them, no problem, one 855 55 Dr. Lou. That's D-R-L-O-U. Dr. Lou would be the number you want to use. Beth in Bradford, thanks, uh, thanks for hanging on through the break. What's up, Beth? Hi. Uh, my husband... Oh, sorry, my dog. That's it. My husband was involved in a car accident in June of 2015. Yep. He developed meningitis in October 2015. Now, with the result of the car accident was he suffered a concussion. Right. Okay. Um, now, he's been going for therapy since uh, July 2015. Mm-hmm. Suffers terrible headaches. Um, he's been to chiropractors. Uh, he's tried acupuncture, massage therapy, heat, cold, I don't know what to do with him anymore. Sometimes he cries. The headaches are so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we deal a lot. Actually, one of the other businesses I own is just dedicated to uh, car accident, car accident assessment. And, um, you know, a lot of these things, people don't realize how, how much a car accident can impact their life and, and, right. and these severe things. And a lot of the times, these are the harder things to deal with is once you get into the, the concussions and the headaches. Um, and, you know, it, it Beth, with with your husband, I, I really think it comes down to, uh, and I'm not sure who they're seeing and, or who he's seen or not seeing, but there needs to be something done where they're looking at him and also having him actively involved uh, in his care. And I know you mentioned a lot that he was seeing chiro massage and, and physio, et cetera, but were they giving him home exercises to do and proper diet and all these things? Because especially when you get into something like a headache, those, those are really important yeah. factors, the active component that the individual has to do in order to try to make a change. And again, this goes back to the assessment, right? That's why it takes so long to delve in and find out exactly their history and where they've been, right? Even if it is a car accident. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, That's what it really comes down to is, is figuring out the specifics of the story. You know, when you hear something like that car accident, in my office, I'd need to find out exactly what happened in this car accident, what the mechanism of injury was, yeah. the things that were done post-accident immediately, because that, that matters too. Doing the right thing right away yes. can make the world of a difference later and a lot of people don't have that necessarily knowledge to do the right thing right away car accidents that means snow and rain and oh anyway we'll, we'll deal with that with the months to come to know that's going to happen uh we're done for this week guys in the meantime the number is one 855 dr lou 100 humber, humber college boulevard is where you'll find the uh, the clinic right up there in rexdale and uh until next time get a hold of them dr Payne show with dr lou right here at talk radio am 640